Welcome to Love What You Do, Do What You Love podcast. I'm Celeste Wong, aka The Girl in the Cafe. I'm a cafe barista, actress, hospitality specialist turned coffee, travel and lifestyle entrepreneur. Over the years, over the counter, I've been inspired by thousands of successful, passionate and courageous people who love what they do and do what they love. In each episode, I'll bring you an inspiring person or message to help you create a life of independence and abundance, doing what you love and loving what you do. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode. Before I get started though, I wanted to share some exciting information from my sponsors. I only pick people who I think are awesome to bring onto this podcast, so please support these guys. Today's show is brought to you by global bag brand Eastpac. Now you guys know how I love to travel and experience new things, and Eastpac really know how to travel the world in style. I only support brands who I think are great, and Eastpac have not only seen me through my fair share of adventures around the world, but have also provided me with the opportunity to speak with four inspiring female entrepreneurs on this podcast to share their passions, learnings, and what drives them. It feels so good to be supported by a company who recognizes the importance of being a woman with a strong voice, championing independence while providing inspiration to have the confidence to do what you love, whether that be travel, business, fashion, technology, broadcasting, coffee, or in my case, all of the above. I'm a massive fan of their suitcases, but especially their bum bags because they look super cool, they're practical, and they're built to resist, just like the next few guests on my show built to resist the challenges of life, the internal dialogue, and anything else that life throws at us. Thank you Eastpac for supporting the next few women on my podcast and me so that I can do what I love. Thanks for hanging out with me today and let me introduce you to my first guest. This is episode one with Tara Vigo. Tara Vigo is originally from the Cook Islands. She grew up in New Zealand, where I'm from too, though that's not how I know her. She's been living and working in London as a pattern cutter for almost 12 years right across the industry, from high street stalwarts like Topshop and All Saints to luxury catwalk brands like J.W. Anderson, Erderm, Nicole Fari and Roller Murray. She's achieved many things, but it's this breadth of experience that's given her insight and expertise into how the fashion industry works and this has fueled her desire to slow fashion down by going back to basics and creating her own online brand by helping sewers create an ethical and sustainable wardrobe with contemporary downloadable patterns that is blowing up on Instagram under her brand, Paper Theory. Now, even though we've actually known each other for quite a number of years, she continuously shares insight that never ceases to amaze me. It's so wonderful to see uh, not only a friend, but someone who hasn't given up on the thing that they believe in by doing what she loves and thriving off every challenge and success. I've seen it with my own eyes and I know how hard it is to run your own business. So I'm really excited to dive into this episode so that you can see why I think this woman is so incredible. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I guess what I want to ask you first is Mm -hmm. just to give a little bit of context into sort of how you came to do Mm -hmm. what you do so maybe if you can explain what it is that you do and sure how Mm -hmm. you came to that well I have a fashion history you know so I went I studied fashion design at college 
and once I graduated I moved moved to Australia actually to try and get fashion work and I couldn't get any work I was there for a whole year and that's where we met I then, used to work in the fashion industry for a little bit yes yeah, you figured out that it's terrible long before I did <laughs> <laughs> and so then I moved to London and sort of just worked my way up slowly through the fashion ranks like I started at the bottom working for some really terrible kind of brands that were like design wise weren't nice price point weren't nice the production wasn't nice they were like really entry-level brands but slowly I kind of worked my way up to better brands better designers to eventually working with some of the best designers and producing all of the catwalk collections for London Fashion Week wow that's incredible mm. I mean I've literally seen you go through that kind of transition mm -hmm. so and it's weird because when you tell me this now mm -hmm. It sounds easy, but actually, yeah. I know because I've watched you go mm -hmm. through it that it really, really wasn't. So it wasn't easy, and it it took a really long time. You know, like it took yeah. like well, twelve, 12 years. Twelve yeah. years, yeah. That's yeah. how long it took. And then once I got there, like I had, I was just so focused on working for the best designers. I got there, and then I realized this isn't everything I thought it would be and hoped it would be and it is not making me feel great and mm -hmm. I don't I don't like what's going on around me and I actually don't want to be part of this and I was kind of like oh, it's 12 years I've spent trying to get here now I'm here and I realize this is the wrong party like this is not where I want to be <laughs> yeah. you know so it was a bit disappointing yeah but, but then so when you were at school because mm -hmm. I know that just to go back a little mm -hmm. bit to back when you were mm -hmm. in Dunedin mm -hmm. and New Zealand you actually achieved at quite a high level back then but uh -huh. you've kind of dipped in and out dipped in and out yeah it's been like a 10 steps forward two steps backwards sometimes it's two steps forward 10 steps backwards you know like it's not been very linear I did have quite a bit of success early on when I was studying and I had um like I was a finalist in quite a big competition and so I got flown to Milan and I got to work with Marnie while I was still, I was still a student you know I was in my second year what year? well that was probably about 15 years ago right yeah it was yeah, yeah about 15 I mean, years ago and Marnie was huge yeah that's when Marnie yeah. were like really big and what was that experience like because you were you were young yeah I was you really young I was probably 22 it was quite overwhelming like mm -hmm. I was whisked off to Milan with all of these sort of celebrity designers and everybody was much older than me and they were much more experienced than me because all of the people around me were people who were not I mean I hadn't even finished my degree and and everyone around me were masters you know graduates from like the best schools in the world they were all from the Royal College wow. and they were all much older than me and they were all really chic and they all looked like they had their lives together and everybody was kind of just like rich and fabulous and hanging out in Milan drinking cocktails and coffee and He's I was punk girl yeah and I was like <laughs> had dirty black t-shirts and do you know like fake Levi's jeans that I was trying to like make look cool <laughs> was, um, and I felt really out of my depth and terrified actually but I just kind of tried to sort of absorb and learn and see what was around me and they actually offered me a job like they said stay um, wow. and work here but I you know I consulted with my lecturers back at uni and they were like no you've got to finish your degree <laughs> everyone else has already got their master's degrees so like you've got to at least get your degree and you've got to finish off and so I came home quite reluctantly 
In hindsight, I'm glad I did. I think that it might have been too much for me too early. I am really good at throwing myself in the deep end and then yeah. and just like surviving, you yeah. know. <laughs> but but yeah, I don't always want to survive, you know. Like I think yeah. what that gave me was a chance to come home and thrive, you know, yeah. and really sort of take what I learned and and sort of put that into action. So in between the time that you finished your degree mm-hmm. and you had this experience with Marnie, mm-hmm. did you kind of have this expectation that oh yeah, I'm gonna go work for you know it's gonna be easy now. I've worked with money I've got my degree mm-hmm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. go to Melbourne or and yeah gonna... I did I did think it would be a little bit easier that like I knew it wouldn't be easy but I thought it was going to be easier than it was and then when I got to London I realized that there was this it's kind of like this infrastructure for how the fashion industry works and what is that it's a really old boys network and like it's similar to that you know like it's not yeah. old boys but there's a very small linear path where you either come from this school this school and this industry is really set up to be run by sort of upper middle class people like you can't work in fashion if you're poor it's really difficult to succeed like inbuilt into the degree systems you have to work for free for a whole year you know like that's part you can do that and you can pay London, fees for that like, year yeah you know okay. so that's part of the education so that's that's just like that's, that's before you've even degree, you know, graduated. So that's the first kind of hurdle to like weed out the poor people, you know. <laughs> and then as it goes on, it gets kind of tighter and tighter. And yeah, it's just it is it's difficult to break in, which is why I went around the side basically and came in as a pattern cutter. I could see yeah. that like the schools were chucking out thousands of designers every mm-hmm. year, but there's only like and you graduated as a designer. Yeah, I graduated yeah. as a designer. So yeah. I didn't set out to be a pattern cutter. Yeah. And I was really intent on being a designer and that's what I came to London to do. And then after a year or so I kind of I had some experience seeing like what the junior designers were doing and how uh, it was just it was just so uninvolved and it was mm. so boring and so uninspiring and it was literally just like printing off pages from websites all day long that's what a junior designer would do and I really wanted to like make stuff and like use my hands and my brain and I could see that there was there was more of a or being a designer was oversubscribed yeah and there was space for pattern cutters and there weren't people who had enough technical knowledge to actually sort of make the stuff and like the pattern cutters would be at the design meetings working with the senior designers they'll be at the very top level alongside the designers they just had a different title you know and instead of doing the like the researching for the branding and all that kind of stuff they were actually working with fabric and I thought I can I can totally do that you know like that's (laughs) that's just as good it has a slightly different title but most people who are pattern cutters have gone to like a pattern cutting school and they've done four years of like learning just how to pattern cut oh Um, wow and I have a design degree so how did you get in on the side you said you went around the side how did you even get offered Um, to work in that kind of yeah well actually my very first job it's quite funny like it was I saw a job advertised for a sample cutter right yeah and which is is just cutting out fabric of the pattern designer and great I was just about to mm -hmm. ask what that was yeah (laughs) so so they're literally like they put patterns down on top of fabric and they cut out the shapes and they pass it on to a machinist Mm -hmm. And that's generally for like juniors. And so I got I got that job and it was like making tea, sweeping up, cutting samples. I was terrible at it. What? Um, terrible at making cups of tea? <laughs> <laughs> sweeping up? All of, it. <laughs> All of it. I wasn't good at any of this. Like not making tea, not cleaning. And I wasn't very good at sample cutting either. Like I just, I didn't like it. But they were also looking for a pattern cutter, a junior pattern cutter. And I kept saying, let me be the junior pattern cutter. I can totally do this. Like I 
did some of this in my degree and you know and they were just like no 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 and they kept hiring like having interviews and they get people in for trials and I was like oh shit I could totally do a better job than that and eventually um I started to just do the work and at the end of the day I would like I would take homework or I'd stay late and I would do the trial that they would set the person who was coming in for the job and every morning I would bring it in and be like look I made it top so basically I just kept doing it I mean I don't even know if I was doing it like that well because I actually hadn't done pattern cutting really yeah. that much of it before yeah. but I just kept doing it I kept doing it and after a while they were just like oh my god stop fine just <laughs> like just, so you wore them down <laughs> pretty much they're like just take the job and so that was my first um you know like I had to just keep going even after they could say no you know, yeah. like people don't want to give you jobs when you don't have the experience, even if you know you can do it. Yeah. You've got to kind of, there's got to be some way of proving some to them proving. that they can see some exactly. kind of hope. Yeah. And hopefully you'll, you'll get someone at, at a point where they might feel sorry for you or something. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like, totally. And you'll be like, oh, okay. You can okay, utilize okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Play that up. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so from there, mm -hmm. you you did pattern cutting mm -hmm. and obviously you, through practice and repetition and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I just worked at it got yep. better at it like I wasn't that good like and I'm still not the best pattern cutter but I'm 10 years in better than the majority and that's that's yep. enough you know like every now and then I meet someone I'm like oh shit you're a better pattern cutter than me <laughs> ah. but but, I think we all go through that even, yeah I mean I think there's so much to be said for experience and, mm. and I think we always go through self-doubt like mm -hmm. I, I do sometimes as well what is the thing that keeps bringing you back to fashion like mm. is that your love like what is your love yeah it's it's weird because fashion is so it encompasses many different things for me right mm. and there's fashion in terms of like clothing style personal expression and that's like one kind of corner and then there's also just like I get really excited about little things like geometry and texture and weight and surface and movement and things like that and that's also yeah. part of fashion and that's clothes and I really love clothes but both of those those sort of pillars come under the umbrella of the fashion industry and it's the industry that I have the problem with and it's the industry that I don't like and that's kind of the thing that I keep butting up against and that's what had made me want to not work in fashion right, right. but yeah. I keep coming back to like loving clothes and like mm. every time I see a really beautiful piece of linen I just think oh imagine if you like cut that into a square and then imagine if you cut it into a triangle and then imagine if you draped it over a circle <laughs> you know and I, I get really excited about that stuff but it's the um the system that's in place that kind of runs the the business side of fashion that I don't like right so how did your thoughts on the industry mm -hmm. lead you to you know where you are yeah now with your with your paper theory yeah I mean that was that was a direct right. funnel to to take me to paper theory like I wanted to find a way to keep expressing myself with fabric you know but I, I needed to leave the industry and I also I wanted to show people how they could still love fashion but not love the fashion industry you know not be trapped by the yeah. fashion industry and seeing the way that the fast fashion industry moves so quickly and like the waste and the consumption and the constant pressure on people to like buy more yeah. because you're shit and you're fat and you're ugly and if you buy our clothes you'll feel better and everything will be okay and there's that constant kind of cycle. <laughs> yeah, that sometimes. Like oh, yeah, I know yeah, like we I mean, yeah, I know what that's like. It's I mean there. it's really it's, hard. Mm -hmm. I mean that is that is the foundation of how they make their money. Yeah. You know? And I thought, oh God, I can't be part of this. Like I'm actually a cog in that machine and I don't want to be a cog in that right. machine. And I'm going to yeah, I decided that I was going to become a landscape architect. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> 
I think I remember you mentioning yeah. that, me, that to me, and I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Can I mean, you start in my garden? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still love the idea. Like, I was yeah. like, I want to be outside. I like plants. Kind of want to be left alone. <laughs> um, but I like to design and create and make things beautiful. I like That's something I really like about fashion is the transformation ability, yeah. right? You just have this raw material, and then like you can make it into something beautiful, and that so that appealed to me with uh, landscape architecture. Right. Too. Okay, I can see the connection mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And then I um I talked to some friends who were kind of in that sphere, and they're like, "Oh no, it's shit too, don't." Yeah. Come <laughs> I mean, ev- I think every industry yeah. has that sort of thing. I mean, the way you were describing the parts of the fashion mm. industry that you like and that you or fashion mm. that you like and you don't mm. like, I kind of relate to that mm-hmm. with coffee. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, and and I keep going in and out and in and out. And I love this, I love this, and this really excites mm-hmm. me, but I really hate this, and yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, there's a lot to but love But you're hate. still, it's like a part of, it's almost a part of like our DNA in, ter- Absolutely, in, in yeah. terms of our experience and mm-hmm, our history, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's shaped who I am yeah. today. And, yeah. and so I thought, well, it's better to, you know, I wanted to leave and just like wash my hands of it because I was feeling ashamed actually of like being right. part of the fashion industry. Yeah. And then I realized that like just leaving something isn't fixing something like the problem's still there and just because yeah. I'm not inherently guilty doesn't mean that I'm guiltless you know yeah um, yeah and I thought it was better for me to find a way to like use my skills to help shape it in a more positive way and find help find solutions you know because mm-hmm. I, I believe that we could have a sustainable fashion industry and I keep telling people like don't buy that shit from H&M yeah. you're a bad person but then you can't <laughs> you can't like say that without providing an alternative right because you know, it's yeah. expensive like sustainable fashion is really classist mm-hmm. it's um it's hard and it's not achievable for everybody and I understand that you know like I get that you can't point fingers and say that everybody should be doing better when not everyone can afford to do better yeah um not everyone is understand the problems they're not educated enough yeah. around the, the issues the way that things are produced yeah and, and they don't and what, know what effect that has on the world exactly and, yeah and the fashion industry is working really hard to make sure people don't have clear figures and information yeah. you know like they're, they're trying to hide that really well so i kind of thought about paper theory as being an alternative like if you still like clothes you know and and what i want to do all day is cut patterns like i like I like the pattern cutting. You know, like, you can come to me and I can show you how to, like, create a really great wardrobe that's easy and minimal because that's the problem with home sewing in the past yeah. has been... It's a bit been, dowdy and a bit kind of, so like, dowdy and dated. Really, and, yeah, but, but you just imagine these horrible yeah. floral prep, like... <laughs> It's got this really kind of like ditzy sort of vintage vibe that is like it's not my jello. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's not avant-garde, it's, right? Yeah. You're not sewing bits and it's that just are not like even cool. supposed to be uneven or Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to fix that and like show people that it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, mm-hmm. like you can get really great fabrics and you can make really cool shapes that look really modern and that feel good. Because the problem with high street fashion is that it's cut for a really small percentage of the population who have a certain body and not everybody has that body yeah and so if you can make your own clothes you have the power to make yourself feel good like you Mm. can make things fit nicely they can be the color you want the length you want and everyone has these weird hang-ups about their bodies like they don't like their arms or something so like you can take a dress and you can make it three inches longer in the arm and then suddenly you've got this great dress and you're not feeling self-conscious about your weird arms yeah you know like having that control and being able to change how i feel Mm mm-hmm because feeling to me, you know, yeah, feelings, feelings yeah, and emotions is, is really important. Yeah. And control is a big thing there. Like, I've always been a little bit of a control freak. But, <laughs> like, the idea of being able to control how it fits you, how it makes you feel, and then 
then for me with paper theory the idea of being able to control the supply chain in that like you know like if you can source ethical fabric then yeah. you know that it's like i'm always worried who who has lost out for this yeah. you know when you buy something from the shops it's mm -hmm. like if you're getting a good deal someone else is getting a bad deal yeah. and you know if you're making something yourself no one else is getting ripped off no one else is mm -hmm. getting hurt no one else is getting exploited like you can almost control the whole thing from the start and that's that's really exciting for me I think that's testament to how big you've blown up on, you know, your social. Mm -hmm. Yeah, considering you haven't, you've only really just started properly this year, right? Was, um, was it all like maybe I went full time in uh, November last year, so it's been four or five months. What was that? Six months. I can't count. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, because it hasn't been long. No. And like I'm seeing, I'm seeing people who have posted up. Oh, hundreds mm -hmm. of your your designs yeah, that yeah. they've made, mm -hmm. and they look amazing, and mm. they're all different body shapes, mm -hmm. they're all different ethnicities, yeah. all different ages. Mm -hmm. Like it's really incredible how mm -hmm. sort of far and wide it people are really yeah. getting on board with you and what you're doing. Yeah, you said that you left in November. What was that like? Actually, transitioning from your sort of free. I mean, you were working with massive mm -hmm. luxury brands, yeah. so you know, kind of J.W. Anderson, yeah. Nicole Fari, mm -hmm. the the people that I've mentioned before. Yeah. So, what spurred you, and and like, how did that come about? Well, it's kind. Of, it was scary because one of the things that I was worried about losing was my credibility, right? So, being at the top of the fashion industry has some kind of like kudos with it, yeah. you know. And I always felt safe that like, if I went to a party with like lots of cool kids, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I work for J.W. Anderson, I just get like this sort of red card. <laughs> pass through and I didn't even have to work hard to talk to people or anything people just like oh that's cool okay you're cool fine go through and now it's like now when I talk to people I can see there's this glimmer of like oh you run your own craft business at home cool <laughs> you know <laughs> so, and like and the business isn't where I want it to be and it's not everything that I hope it will be one day but my vision is clear and it's going to be cool but I <laughs> well, can it see, is cool and it is it, it is, is cool, it is cool yeah. but I can see that it doesn't carry the weight with it that um I've had to say goodbye to that kind of safety net which yeah. But I mean, that's fine. Like, that's just... But also maybe the people that, you know, we're labeling as cool aren't actually that cool. Oh, you're still trapped back in like five years ago when we we're all worried about what label jeans we're wearing, you know? We've, yeah, I've left that behind. That. Yeah. yeah. So there was some kind of concern for that. And that's just me being superficial, right? Yeah. But then there was um, the money concerns, you know, like my ability to maintain a stable finance yeah. in my life is yeah. it's you know it's well, especially living in london it's so expensive it's expensive and, yeah you know we both know what it's like to to be earning very very, very little. little yeah <laughs> so it was kind of scary because when i started paper theory i remember it was like the the evening that i first came up with the idea was it's really vivid i remember working um i can't remember who i was making clothes for but came to bed at like half past three in the morning because yeah. i had been up working all night and i got into bed and i was like saying to my boyfriend oh i'm so tired and this is <laughs> bullshit and you know um i can't do this anymore but you really work hard on everything yeah and yeah. i and i don't like to work like that anymore like that's it's been a really conscious decision to not do that but i think at the time i felt like i had to because the barriers for getting into the fashion industry were so high and yeah. i was definitely on the outside of the gate that the only way i could get in was to like outwork everybody and do a better job than everybody yeah. to be seen as equal you know yeah. without a british fashion degree and you know people were like oh new zealand do they even have fashion in new zealand you know it's so insulting considering we've come from new zealand with real pride in our yeah. in our fashion industry 
so yeah, so I'd worked really, you know, I'd been working really late and I remember coming to bed and having a wee cry and my boyfriend was like, you can't do this anymore, like, why sell one pattern for 300 pounds once? He's like, why don't you sell that pattern to someone else and then sell it to someone else and then sell that pattern 300 times for, so you it know? wasn't really your idea. No, it wasn't. It was, it was absolutely Demi's idea. Um, and I, I said to him that night, I was like, you don't even know, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's, that's impossible. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I've got this idea. I've got this great idea for a business. Um, so it's one thing to have an idea, and everybody has ideas. Everybody and has ideas. This is the thing that yeah. I think you and I talk about quite a lot. A lot, yeah. Is you know, and I didn't really realize the actuality of mm. of an idea going into execution. Execution. <laughs> But yeah. the difference is, I think, between a lot of people who mm-hmm. make it and are able... When I say make it, I mean are able to do yeah. more of what they love yeah, and yeah. what they believe in, mm. is that they don't actually make the steps to yeah. do it. And I know from experience that action mm-hmm. is actually really freaking hard to do. It's, yeah. it's hard on, on a small level, mm-hmm. let alone quitting yeah. a secure job yeah, yeah. to make a craft brand. <laughs> <laughs> But action is the only thing that will make a difference. And it's not just in, like, business and getting things moving. Action, like, even with people's intent... Like, people will have intentions to be nice people, you know? Yeah. But if they don't take action on that, mm-hmm. they're not... They're, you know, like, they don't... They won't actually be a nice ...present to person. the world as a nice yeah. person, you know? So it's like, when someone says something that's really offensive and rude, and, it's, and they're like, oh, but I didn't mean to upset you. It's like, your intentions mean nothing, but your action... Offended, offended somebody yeah. yeah or like action is the only thing that will take you take your good ideas if you don't do anything with those good ideas they're they're gone they're in the wind and people sort of get upset like i had that idea and you've done something with it mm-hmm. it's like well you don't know do you don't own ideas yeah you know? yeah exactly you own your actions yeah yeah, yeah. What was that point where you were like, I'm going to jump? Or was it a slow oh, thing? So you, yeah, yeah. You, um, it was tentative. Was like there a I, plan? Like what? Yeah. There were plans. Like what I'm trying ha- and have been trying in the last couple of years not to do too much is plan too much. Like I used to be a real perfectionist mm. and I would want to work everything out. And if I couldn't make up this theoretical plan where it ended up being perfect in 10 years time and I would know every step, I wouldn't take any action. Yeah. You know, and that is it doesn't work do you know like it's mm-hmm. just not good for me so i'm training myself out of i still slip into that behavior i have an overarching kind of like big hope for my life and i'm trying not to plan the steps there i'm trying to sort of i'm just kind of throw myself in and just hoping that i'll work it out as i go along and when i'm stuck with i have these two opportunities do i do this one or do i do this one i kind of have to look like what is more in line with my end goal Mm. so when it came to uh leaving working for others and going full-time in my business i didn't have a plan but i it was like i don't know as much as i'm kind of really pedantic about planning i often then have these really bizarre moments of just like oh and just (laughs) do whatever i want to do and i don't know where they come from um because i told myself that i wouldn't stop working until i could cover my living costs mm-hmm. you know and so i i spent about six months trying to get my living costs as low as i could and like cutting off you know like all the surplus like netflix subscriptions any kind of yoga subscriptions like anything that i was doing that was surplus right down to the very 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 minimum and then once my business was covering that i said that i would then go full-time 
Okay. Um, and then about three weeks later, I was like, oh, fit. <laughs> I just, <laughs> so you yeah, still I had just, high, relatively regular lifestyle costs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I still had my jump. rent. Yeah. And so, and I wasn't quite covering it, but I knew that I probably had a couple months of leeway on my credit cards yeah. that I could cover it. And I just really believed that if I could give it the time, it would happen. And so it was quite scary, you know. Mm. I just thought, oh, I'll just do it. Well, that's a know. celebration in, in yeah. itself. Yeah, it sounds to me like... It's not advisable, just... I think. But I just, <laughs> like, that's not how I would say you should do it. But I just, mm. I couldn't take it anymore. Like, I was just too excited by the idea of what I could achieve. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I was being... Like somebody had my throat, do you know, like having to go to work every day and and I liked it's essentially it's very similar work. It's just pattern yeah. cutting for them or pattern cutting for someone else. But I don't know, and my boss had kind of pissed me off and then like yeah. the next morning I went and I was just like, I'm done. See you guys later and that was just kind uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah. But what what that gave me was like a real fire because mm -hmm. I was like, You've done what you said you wouldn't do. <laughs> you know, and you don't have anyone to rely on. Your parents can't bail you yeah. out. You know, your boyfriend's going to maybe cover the cost of the groceries this month. And that's it. Like, you've really got to start making some money. So it really wow. made me kind of focus and get some work done. It's really paid off. And it's like, amazing my company see, yeah. has grown 300% or something in the last wow. sort of six months. You know, it's incredible. So it's worth it. Business is not something that you had been in no. for like the last however long you've been in the fashion industry because no, you've been no, working for other business. people. So mm -hmm. what, have, what have been the biggest challenges mm. in owning your own business and having your own company? Yeah, I think even just coming to terms with the concept that I am now a businesswoman and not a pattern cutter mm -hmm. is uh, still difficult for me because... In terms of your, like your image um, or your self-image or... Not so much, like... Because I've always looked to successful businesswoman as being like pretty gangster, you know, and like that, yeah. that's a good thing for me. Yeah. Um, but I know that I'm not like I'm not a hundred percent entrepreneurial. Like that's not purely my blood, you know. Like mm -hmm. I listen to the Gary V's of the world, mm -hmm. and he's talking about <laughs> how much he loves the hustle, and I'm yeah. like, no, I love the clothes, not the hustle, <laughs> you know. And it's like, yeah. but I know for the world to see as much as my clothes as possible, I have to put some hustle yeah, in, the hustle, you know. Yeah, so. Yeah. I don't get the pump from the business. I get the pump from the clothes, you know. Right. So having to sort of look at that and restructure how I'm going to work. And I can't just, you know, like I naturally want to be in a studio by myself mm -hmm. with my headphones on mm -hmm. and just playing with paper all day long. And like that's when I'm at my happiest. Mm -hmm. But actually now what I have to do is like reply to people's emails and ask people for like, do you want to stock my patterns in your shop? <laughs> and like having to do all this kind of yeah. like communication and business deals and talking about money. And it's, it's, um, uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's extraordinarily uncomfortable. And so how do you, uh, navigate that when you are feeling mm, uncomfortable about mm. the things that you have to do? Like what is kind of going through your head? To, to push you over the line to yeah. do it. Yeah, I haven't found the perfect balance yet. I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to mm -hmm. now structure my days, so I'm trying to split my days in half. So in the morning, I'm going to do the creative stuff because mm -hmm. I think that's when my brain's the freshest and that's when I'm, I'm going to let myself do the patterns. And then in the afternoons, I'm doing all the kind of emailing, talking to customers and all that kind of stuff. Stuff um, you don't really want to do. But... Stuff I don't <laughs> want to do. And and I kind of hope that one day I'll be able to soon. Like that, yeah. That's my probably my biggest challenge at the moment is I've hit the point where 
I'm ready for some kind of scale or growth. Yeah. And I don't know how to do that, you know? Mm. So I'm kind of looking at options and trying to talk to people and sort of get some advice and, mm. you know, because I'm now a businesswoman, but I've never been a businesswoman and I've got three months of experience, you know, <laughs> and now I have this company that's making money that I have to kind of honor and... Yeah. And um, and people who want more. And yeah, who, and, and customers know. are asking for more, you know, and I'm feeling quite torn and pressured like people are wanting this or that and they're all coming from different ideas and everyone's saying and you can only do your like you can only do so much as one person because i know how long it takes for you to To make because patterns are complicated for pattern cutters and if you give it to a normal person they have quite a hard time interpreting all out symbols it's like another language so i have to redesign them to make them easily understandable by the general public you know and that kind of that stuff takes quite a long time like weeks or months Sometimes. Oh, months. Yeah, months. Wow. You know, like about three months if I'm really focused. Because I've got to do all the instructions yeah. step by step. and So it does take a while. What What is the most challenging part then? Would it... I think it's my... Right now, it's uh, knowing how to allocate my resources. And not just financial resources, but mm-hmm. in terms of like my focus as a resource. You know, my, yeah. my time, where it's spent best. Like what I can... Trying to figure out what I can outsource. Mm. And I've tried to outsource some things. And then it's like it's taken me so long to try to explain what to do then it would have been faster to do it myself and I'm just it's a learning process and you know bringing back into your into the mix your control your yeah, exactly. control oh, and being absolutely. able to let it go yeah. that's a huge yeah because I know that um, my control will limit my success and yeah. I know that I have to relinquish it and so working on that is an ongoing process for me often when we're talking about our businesses it's like the business takes over almost 24 hours a day it does. Thing. but at the same takes time brain. but at the same time do you find that you feel more freedom and that you have so much more flexibility i have huge freedom and i have far more what is the word like just so much more joy in my work like it my work it feels so meaningful it means that every moment of my time is important almost you know and it's as opposed to i used to kill eight hours of my day every day just trying (laughs) to like you know pass the time and get paid and once you take the boundaries off like this is your work and this is your pleasure it's it doesn't matter and i know that now my work has some meaning like i'm every day I, I will get a message from a customer saying you've got no idea how much this means to me and this made me feel really good or like do you know what? i get really nice messages and i know that it's worth doing and it makes everything just so much you know like it's not work but like actually making patterns for me that's that's my creative expression that's what i would be doing with my free time so what's something that surprised you about yourself getting into business mm. on paper theory I am genuinely surprised that I am able to make a good living out of my own business. Like, it's something I always wanted, but I there was always this kind of seed of doubt that I was like, oh, you're going to fuck it up somewhere and you're, it's yeah. not going to... I don't know what... I don't know where that seed of doubt comes from, but I always thought, oh, I will be able to make enough money. Mm. But I can see that I'm on the track to, like, running a really successful business. And yeah. that's something that I was... Re- I don't know. I mean, I must have sort of believed it somewhere. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got, got, tried in. to do it. Yeah. But um, but for it to actually be happening and you, mm-hmm. you can see it happening in mm-hmm. front of your eyes mm. must be an incredible feeling. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's a little bit scary because um, yeah. I feel like... I've got this special thing and I don't want to like let it die. Like it or yeah. yeah. What I didn't know, I didn't know that I, it seems to be like a lot of people are telling me that 
I've got a really easy, uh, well, natural sense of communicating my thoughts to people. People are really receptive to when I kind of talk about ideas mm -hmm. and it's like my storytelling is, is better than I had thought it was, you know. Or giving yourself credit for. Yeah, totally, giving myself credit for. And they're getting hooked and engaged with like the ideas and the stories and they're coming along for the ride really quickly. Like so much faster than I was ever imagining would happen. Having your own business, which clearly we've both talked about, consumes our lives, mm -hmm. but that's a conscious choice mm -hmm, and we want mm -hmm, to. Mm -hmm. um, I guess define, like, what do you see as balance and, like, are you achieving it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody's idea of balance and what they want is different, so mm -hmm, I want to know mm -hmm. what it is that... Yeah, I mean, it's evolving. I, I'm definitely not hitting the balance that I do want. Mm -hmm. um, for me, balance is... You know, like, I don't want that sort of nine to five and then the evening's free. Like, I, I don't have much worry about that. Like, that doesn't kind of inspire me. But I know that I have these different sort of pillars in my life and I know that I want to keep the flames burning in all of them consistently, right? Okay, so, so we're talking, like, let's just be a little bit more mm -hmm. specific here. These pillars would be... One is my business. Yeah. And just the general contribution that I want to make to the world, right, with my business. And then yeah. the other would be Dimitri. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, who's my fiancé? And then the other would be my friends, mm -hmm. you know. And I guess the fourth is my family. So, well, and then there's the fifth is me, right? So it's like my... Right. yeah. My headspace, my personal kind of things that are going on in my life. Uh, concurrently like uh, wanting to be healthy wanting to be fit wanting to learn how to surf just the little things like I'm learning I'm going to start learning to drive this year mm -hmm. just all those sort of weird personal goals I and can't believe you don't have a license I know well I can't <laughs> drive so yeah. <laughs> you know and they're so, all important yeah. to me like it's really important It's and it sounds old fashioned but it's really important that I will be a good wife to Demi mm -hmm. and like I'll be a good partner and I'll really take care of him and it's like and not in a I'll put on my apron and make sure that, you know... Like an old school. Yeah, yeah. but like that we are connected and we are like engaged with each other all the time. And it's that stuff you can't take for granted. Like you can't no. just like kind of come... You know, and I do it all the time. I'm not very good at it. And he's quite good at calling me on it thankfully you know because yeah, you need someone yeah if i didn't have need, such you know, a strong guy someone. i would it would be terrible so because oh. I, I would work through the night yeah if there was yeah nobody here, yeah and if nobody could see me and i would just keep going and he's just like no come you know like, and how do you think that's impacting on like do you ever feel resentful no no i feel really grateful for it i think that it's it's actually helping me i mean sleep is good for you you know and it's something yeah. that i resisted for a long time mm. and i can see the impact that having real sleep has on me you know like mm. it's, it's a good thing and and i can't say that i want to be a good partner and then not be a good partner and then you know when he's saying oh yeah. you're not being a good partner be resentful about it like going back to your yeah. intentions and your actions yeah that he's actually got your best interest in heart it's actually yeah. he's not saying it because he wants your attention no. he's also doing it because he knows that it's better for it's you better for me as well to get some sleep because that's the difference because uh -huh. you can say it in two yeah. different ways you could be yeah. like stop doing your work kind of i feel jealous about your work yeah. give me some more attention he's, you know he's also doing it because he's like mm. it's good for you mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is good for us mm -hmm. which is good for him which it's is good for the you, business yeah yeah and, and then sometimes and he wants that. the attention you know so, yeah, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but for him to get to the point where he's needy means that i have neglected him considerably you know and it's like oh and i don't want to be doing that either because i get so kind of obsessed and i always think that i can do something tomorrow 
and of, yeah. and often it's like my work is the thing that I think is the fire and it needs to be done now and yeah. I'll I'll love you tomorrow I, I re- do you know <laughs> no. no and I know oh my gosh it's not, yeah yeah it's, yeah it's not true and so that's something that it's mm-hmm. is a real conscious um concern of mine and I like like I have to make sure every day I kind of check in with myself because if he's if he's concerned with like something else and he's got a race coming and he's building a bike and I'm not getting attention, I'm like, oh, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah, really easy to really say. Quick. Yeah. So it's really good. I like that he mm. keeps me on my toes. Traditionally, it has been the other way around. And it's weird. You can have really, that's like, a, I guess, a non-traditional stereotype, but mm. the power dynamic between him and I is quite traditional, you know, okay, other yeah. outside of that, outside yeah. of me always working. Yeah. So the balance is hard because, I mean, to be honest, those are the two biggest balances. You know, like that's yeah. he's the most important thing, and my business. Yeah. And then my family, and my friends, and like I'm trying to be there for my friends, and I see it sometimes that mm. I'm like I'm not doing a good enough job, mm. but I kind of can't do everything either. So, mm. and I'd like to go and see my family more. You know, like I think that seeing them once a year is not really good enough, but at the moment it's the best I can do. So I just have to like not beat myself up about that. You know, so my ideas about like feminism and how women shouldn't be forced into any kind of prescriptive roles mm. or whatever is really strong and apparent in like the way I run my business and all of that and the things that I've done with mm-hmm. my life. But then when there is there are still parts of my life where it's like so and I've come back to in this your relationship, relationship and it's yeah. so traditional and we have the power to have it how we want and it's just mm. it works for me. Like I kind of like that when a painting falls off the wall, I'm like, oh, do me that nails fall and can you put that up? Do you know, like I kind <laughs> yeah. of, like yeah. I don't want to. Not that you can't. Do no, it I can tell. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But like, and then I'll I'll do the stuff that would be considered, you know, traditionally feminine. feminine. Yeah. Those sorts of really traditional gender roles are just so they're they're really easy and workable. Yeah, for, us for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Can you give us uh, and the listeners and your followers? A couple of suggestions of what they can do that is practical because we've mm-hmm. been talking about your intentions mm-hmm. if you want to be sustainable and you want to be mm-hmm. ethical what are some actions that you can do in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. that might be in line with a positive that? impact yeah, positive yeah. impact um how can we be more socially responsible yeah. okay so i think the biggest thing and it's the easiest thing to do is just to be aware of your consumption habits like a lot of people will say oh you should buy this instead of this and i think that uh, learning to buy nothing is the mo- is the best solution that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are better versions of stores, and like there are lots of brands that you can research and look at. There are loads of resources out there, but I don't think that we can buy our way out of the problem. I think that we have to do the personal work and look at look at why you feel like you need a new outfit every time you have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like if that's what you think, then there's maybe something for you to address there. And I think that that's. Okay. That's probably yeah. the biggest thing. Some other really easy tips are just to just love your clothes, like look after them well. Laundry is a really big deal, actually, and a lot mm. of the microplastics in the ocean come from people washing their polyester garments. So, um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so buy good quality fabrics. Like when you are buying, buy li- like linen's the best, you know, okay. buy natural fibers over uh, synthetic fibers, uh-huh. and try and wash your clothes as little as possible. Yeah. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The chemicals that they put in laundry detergent breaks down the fibers of Mm. your clothes and those fibers aren't getting caught in the washing machine filters and they're going out into the ocean. So when people are talking about Mm. the microplastics in fish, you know, they're saying that if you cut open a fish, part of that fish is plastic. It's not just people throwing their rubbish in the ocean. It's you washing your clothes. Yeah, the the laundry is quite a big deal. So wash them the least you can. I mean, you need to wash your clothes, but natural fibers and... Yeah, yeah, just washing, washing this. Mm-hmm. 
They right. last longer and then you need to buy less. Amazing. Are there a couple of brands, not necessarily in the fashion mm -hmm. industry, but just, you know, any brands mm -hmm, that come to mm -hmm. mind that you just think are doing really great really stuff, cool stuff in an ethically sustainable yeah. way? So there is Fashion Revolution are a great organization. So they organize like protests all around the world. They are working on informing people. So they're a really great resource if anybody okay. wants to learn more about fashion. I'll put that in the show notes. Another brand. So I've only just started buying clothes again, right? So I've been okay. on a bit of a no buying mission for a, quite a long time now. I think. 2017 that's um, right you went mm -hmm. yeah you decided um to not buy new stuff yeah. so i've been making my own stuff and recently i just bought my first new bra in <laughs> for ages what? yeah but the thing is i used to buy so much stuff that i had clothes that were like barely even worn mm. do you know and i have so many of them that i could probably go for years more without actually needing to buy needing stuff yeah but um i did need a new bra so i bought a bra from this brand called bear boutique and it's this moldy girl who lives in australia and it's all sustainable bamboo and she works with small communities in bali with women and it's it's so good like I tried it on I was like oh my god it feels so amazing oh, and wow what's yeah, the brand called again it's called Bear Boutique B-A-R-E like Bear, bear. Bum, oh, yeah, yeah. you know Bear Boutique yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll have to check them out yeah and she names all of her products after um, moldy words and colours and it's it's really cool, oh, cool and her branding is really cool and um, her photo shoots and her editorials are really cool yeah. so I would oh, look great. at her yeah. yeah and she sent me a package all the way from Australia and it came in like a compostable package and oh. it was really cool I only buy vintage jeans now mm. but Koto have recently like maybe two years ago brought out a denim range and it's oh. it's all good so Cool. Uh, check them out, and it's it's cool. Like the stuff's really nice. A new brand that I've seen recently is Sunski, and they do uh, really cool sunglasses, and they're made from post uh, consumable recycled plastic. That's pretty cool. Cool. So, I actually have some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too. Well, yeah. You you're getting some. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So I think yeah, they're that cool. they're doing. I've been following them a bit. Mm -hmm. They're doing some great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff out there. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I will definitely be putting all of those in the show notes. Mm -hmm. It's great to have some stuff in the show notes. I'm going to have to <laughs> do a new page. Great. <laughs> My podcast. Thanks so much for talking oh, with welcome. me today. It's, it's been really interesting. I'm, I've said this before, but we have known each other for such mm -hmm. a long time. And it's so interesting that, you know, we keep learning more about each other mm -hmm. and i'm really stoked that i get to share who you are on my platform yeah in this way so which has been really exciting but for everybody else mm -hmm. who want to go follow you see a little bit more about what you're about mm -hmm. where can people find you online so you can find me on instagram i am paper underscore theory and that's where you'll see uh, the majority of my day-to-day -day sort of stuff the, that's where you'll see all the patterns and the fashion stuff and you can go to my website which is papertheory.com all one word you sure about that no okay <laughs> thanks again to global brand eastpac for sponsoring this episode supporting kick-ass women doing what they love to do if you were inspired or learned something or want to find out more, head over to thegirlinthecafe.co.uk forward slash podcast where you'll be able to link to everything. Please be sure to subscribe, share and leave a review on iTunes because it helps this podcast's ranking so that more people can learn and enjoy the contents of this show. Have an awesome week guys and I'll be here with a coffee in hand to have more insightful conversations with my next inspiring guest.